Hi everyone, my name is uh, Priyom. I'm the founder and CEO of uh, Asanify, as you are aware. And today we are uh, joined with Manuel uh, for our Simplify Work podcast. Uh, hello, uh, welcome Manuel to the show. I would love to learn a little bit about your journey. But for the audience, a very quick introduction. So, uh, he is, it's a hardware-enabled AI company with a mission to combat climate change. And of course, uh, Manuel will introduce uh, about the company in a little bit more detail, but he has some amazing uh, things that he can name drop into his CV. So there, there'll be hard word, there'll be uh, Wharton, there'll be YC, there'll be Sequoia and so on. I'd let, let him, uh, you know, take the next part of the journey, but I would love to hear uh, everything about what has made Manuel so successful. Uh, over to you, Manuel, anything you'd like to start with? Thank you so much. Really. Really appreciate talking to you and really appreciate the invitation. Sure. Uh, Manuel, uh, maybe you can just start a little bit uh, about your background and you know what led you to eventually uh, starting uh, PowerX. Uh, firstly, very interesting and very powerful name. I would love to know the, a little bit about the history of how you thought of naming this also, but a little bit of what you would, uh, you know, huh. uh, would be lovely to start with. Absolutely. I'm very happy to give an, an intro there. Uh, not to my interview in war, but the name was conceived um, while I was working for a consulting company called McKinsey and Company. And um, we were in the Middle East, primarily focused on energy companies, so oil and gas, um, mining, and so on. Problem wanting to make their processes greener. Now, the way you may want to think about it is that you have power, for example, you know, solar um, power is pretty abundant and you convert this power to something. You may convert it to, you know, thermal. So like you heat something up with, say, the energy, the power of the sun. So this conversion you call power 2x. You convert something into oh. an outcome. And that's how the name PowerX came about. Very so um, X is like a variable. You can convert anything to anything. Exactly. You can convert power to hydrogen. You can convert power to other chemicals. You can convert power into heat, into movement, if you will. So it's it's wow. a conversion. It's a function, if you will. <laughs> that is wonderful. So uh, could you uh, tell us a little bit about your journey, how you came to uh, start PowerX? Yeah, uh, exactly at that um, at McKinsey Company when I was working with mm -hmm. uh, energy companies in the Middle East and honestly around the globe from Papua New Guinea to, to Chile. Uh, we had a client that put a lot of money on the line, uh, several hundred million dollars to make the process greener. And um, we were struggling to find good solutions for these customers. And that really shook me because here I am having one of the best teams and minds in the industry, um, working for a, a very powerful company really and mm -hmm. we are struggling with finding good solutions. Okay. One part of that was the idea that what you can measure, you can manage. And uh, mm -hmm. we already had this, this, this challenge to actually measure what's going on. There were drill holes all over. Um, there were camps and, and energy was spent on, on thousands and thousands of equipment. So uh, from that, wow. the idea of, of PowerX was born, what you can measure, you can manage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I left McKinsey, really enjoyed working there. Um, mm -hmm. A fantastic experience, but I left McKinsey and found PowerX with this 
idea in mind and uh, decided to build the first hardware. In fact, the first hardware uh, was built both in Germany, where I'm from originally, but also in New York and San Francisco uh, while we went through YC, Y Combinator. Oh, okay. So uh, when you left uh, McKinsey, did you already uh, get any funding or uh, you left you know, without any specific plans and then you started out? Left, left without any specific plans, but I got funding very soon after, like we talked. Uh, in a matter of weeks and max months. I have to admit, I was very unknowledgeable about the entire venture capital market, about (laughs) um, overall how accessing financial markets works at all. So Mm. I went just a bit, um, yeah, a bit blue-eyed, but but, um, it it worked out quite well. I'm very happy about that. Sure, sure. So did you have any uh, co-founders or you started on your own? I did have a co-founder, unfortunately, okay. pretty much after, like, like days, weeks after we mm-hmm. co-founded, um, he mm-hmm. had a family incident, so oh. he, he had to jump off and work for a bit more, a bit more stable setup than, okay. you know, a, a well, PowerX Lite uh, entrepreneurship. We're <laughs> uh, okay. still very close friends, and actually, in a couple of days, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll come for a visit here to Washington, D.C. from Germany, which is great. Okay, so so it's uh, uh, you are the only uh, founder or person in the founding team right now in PowerX. That's correct. I would say Understood. it's it's a fair assumption to say that I'm I'm a single so, founder. And, okay, and how many total people do you have uh, in terms of your current employees? Yeah, including including our um, contractors and so on. We are we have uh, several dozen people. Okay, understood. So, uh, when you started, then uh, you know how how did you go about uh, finding your initial customers? Because initially, I'm guessing it was just an idea. So, how did yeah. you you know think about how to market this when when you hardly you know had any people? You know, you didn't have a co-founder. You didn't have too many people. I'm assuming yeah. when you started. Yeah, we went after the D2C market first, direct to consumer, and then mm-hmm. brought us in a. Honestly, a couple of thousand customers, uh, but we soon realized that it's really difficult because D2C setups are very diverse. Um, we had to manage a number of different setups at the at each individual house, and the impact was it was there, but it was minor. So you can say, if you know, five, six, seven percent maybe. Um, okay. So it was a super important learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely it was definitely hard to keep up with the hardware and the demands of so many different diverse customers. Mm-hmm. We then uh, we also sold the same product, pretty much the same product, to mm-hmm. businesses, primarily restaurants, hotels, and so on. And we realized that we really have an inroad there. We really mm-hmm. have quite some demand, and we can actually really help these companies a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Um, after a couple of months, we decided to fully focus on on restaurants and hotels. Ah, interesting. And uh, like, what what is the pitch initially? Uh, you know, if if you don't have a you know past history, what is the initial pitch? How do you you know think of uh, getting to the or getting them to trust in PowerX? That is a real good question. Um, it's about you know go to market. Um, mm-hmm. I I think. Two things, really. Number one, 
be be open and honest where you stand. Um, when we go to restaurants and we go to even large customers that are, you know, have a presence with tens of thousands of restaurants uh, all over the world, right. we are pretty honest and hey, we are we are a startup, and um, uh, this is what we can deliver. But there's also things where we are still that we are still building out. Mm-hmm. It is easy in the in the U.S. Honestly, the U.S. is very much a sort of culture. Like people try to help you; they want such oh. to be successful. They okay. also know that a lot of innovation actually comes out of startups, and that startups mm-hmm. tend to be way faster to deliver than many others. So we have seen that too, be and play quite in our favor. Where startups have their large companies, very large companies, known in India and the U.S. and mm-hmm. and Europe and you know China and Russia, right. like very large companies have said, mm-hmm. we don't want to go the bureaucratic route. We actually mm-hmm. want the fast and easy and lean processes and decision making mm-hmm. of a startup. Uh, the second point to make here in terms of getting trust is actually around especially if it's like found about around the, the team you have mm-hmm. um, and, and the people in your team. Right now, I have an insanely talented, insanely high-performing team, um, not only in terms of name dropping, you know, but also in terms of their past work experience. And mm-hmm. we have people that have um, stayed with GitHub from pretty small to pretty large. Like now being now being a unicorn, we had mm-hmm. we have people that uh, went with HelloFresh, mm-hmm. uh, being one of the very very early employees here in the U.S. So mm-hmm. these people know what it means to build from the ground up. They mm-hmm. also know what it means to be in very large companies and what like what does professional look like? Mm-hmm. And I think right now, like our entire team just has this mm-hmm. has this professionalism baked in. And those things taken together. So be honest what you can do and cannot do. Like startup plays against you, but it also can be a strength mm. because you're lean, because you're fast, and because you can adjust and don't have to be bureaucracy. And the second, just a very strong team. And when people look you up and they see how you actually move and, and the experience mm. you have in the team, they, they say, you know, it's higher risk, but I, I believe in that team. Got it. So, and that brings me to my question that how do you then hire some of this amazing uh, talent, especially when you're early? Uh, so, so which came first? So, did you hire a few people before uh, Y Combinator or did that happen after? Oh, YC came first. And YC is a good name, but it, it's not like the thing that makes or breaks you. Like sure. many successful companies do not go to YC. Many companies that go to YC actually fail. So, YC is kind of you know another badge you can put on your resume or on your on your company's um quote-unquote cv but it (laughs) really is not the major decision point on whether Mm. or not you will be successful how do we hire that's a great question much through our networks i believe that the network is actually one of the best ways to get exceptional talent people that have worked with others like Many of the people we got actually were recommended to us through our networks. And they say, you know, there is person X. She is absolutely amazing. She's open to work. She's not on the market. Mm. Like, sure, you can find amazing people via LinkedIn and so on. But um, 
a lot of talent actually is not openly on the market. Mm, so they, they, they are introduced to you. The second thing is that we actually go via specific communities. So for example, climate communities, um, energy communities, and mm -hmm. then you get like talent, which is not only after money or not like, you know, uh, you, you have very specific talent, like people that invest in climate right. change and mm. you have people that may be the former CMO of Stripe uh, that oh, wow. are super interested in climate change and, and are interested in changing because of a internal ethics, moral driver and a feeling of responsibility towards, towards our world. And so I, I think that's also a great second way of, of getting really amazing talent. So you're saying these are the people who are inspired by your mission. Yeah. Understood. And uh, so when you uh, pitch your company to customers, vis-a-vis -vis when you pitch it to an uh, employee, so if, if you have to, you know, if they have to decide between A, leaving their current job, B, joining another company vis-a-vis mm -hmm. PowerX, so why, why mm -hmm. should they uh, choose PowerX, uh, you know, for our audience to know if someone is interested in joining PowerX? Yeah. I think there's four reasons to join PowerX. Mm -hmm. um, number one is in terms of salary, uh, we pay well, not, you know, not 95th percentile, so we cannot compete with the Google. I think that's mm -hmm. fair in, as a startup, but it covers mm -hmm. your, it covers your basic needs um, or, or even your, your not so basic needs. So I think just having a fair salary. The second thing is we really um, are generous on the equity side. So um, overall, the compensation package is, is, is quite generous. So we provide a lot of upside. PowerX mm -hmm. doing really well. You as a core employee, you do really well. You actually mm -hmm. have a chance to become a multimillionaire if that works out well. Um, mm -hmm. That's number one and number two. So decent salary, really, really... Um, loving employees on the on the equity side mm -hmm. the third thing is that you actually have a mission you do something to prevent climate change you do something to really help with one of the biggest in my opinion probably the biggest crisis we as a human race in fact every living thing in the world mm -hmm. has seen in thousands of years um so there is a there's a there's a a mission perspective that's very strong that I take super seriously right. because that's why I left a very cozy job myself. Of course. And then the final thing that attracts people to PowerX is the team. It's a bit of a chicken egg problem, you know, what comes first. Right now, my team is hands down. It's just, it's very, very strong. And those are very smart people that really know what they're doing. I'm mm -hmm. amazed by what this team does. So this wow. combination uh, is, is very strong to attract people. Wonderful. And uh, your, is it, uh, so you primarily believe in remote working or do you have physical offices in, uh, in some places? We have uh, physical offices. We are headquartered in New York and have a lab and office there. And okay. still, that's all, one of our perks. We offer fully remote work. Um, it, it is a bit more difficult in some ways, a bit easier in others. The mm -hmm. difficult parts are like, keeping up communication, internal communication. But I think you solved the problem quite well. Um, is there something like, interesting? Like, you know, we have daily check-ins. We have a lot of face-to-face -face communication. 
we do offsites. So it took us some time to adjust, but now I, I think it's, it's really great and fun to work like this. And well, right. you have the option, you know, to work <laughs> in, in your, in your own place with like a river and, and, uh, trees outside. So, so that's, I really appreciate that. And I, I know my employees sure. do too. <laughs> Sure. So, uh, I, I was reading uh, some days back about uh, one of the principles of agile, uh, you know, movement is that uh, they say that in-person conversation, uh, the impact is much more. So now, obviously, when agile was originally formed, remote working and all these advanced tools uh, were not there. So, in terms of enge employee engagement, developing a culture, especially in a remote first environment, is there anything differently? Because I'm sure you've worked in office, you know, with your past job in McKinsey, etc. So is there something yeah. specific you've done to ensure amazing culture at, at your company? I, I fully agree. Um, it is actually, I think it's quite challenging to build a strong culture because you do not know for a number of reasons. Number one, you do not know what others are, are working on. Um, you don't have to coffee chats, you know, like when you're in a, when you're in <laughs> no, a no small talk, no small talk or like, oh yeah, I just caught some glimpse of this phone call. I know they're moving this direction or they're moving on X or Y. Right. Um, so there's a lot of like, quote unquote chatter that you do not get. Um, that actually keeps you informed and, and you understand in which direction you use. And that's, that's a really, that's a really big thing. Um, we are trying to solve this by Every day, everybody writes the six, seven tasks they're working on. They say how they feel. They write how they feel. Mm -hmm. It's like on Slack, we are, honestly, it's, it's a program that asks people, hey, how do you feel today? What are you working on? Are there any blockers and so on? We have a super strong documentation culture that kind of oh. comes from GitHub. Thanks for that. Okay. So like every meeting is very thoroughly uh, documented. So mm -hmm. you can go into... The program we have, and they they review uh, the different meetings that that okay. took place, um, and then finally, uh, honestly, I think I think there's benefits and there's drawbacks to remote, mm -hmm. and we just discussed the drawbacks in terms of internal communication. You miss out on chatter. You miss out on like maybe what's happening here and there. The benefit mm -hmm. is people have more time for deep think. Like if you mm. sit at home and, you know, you, you honestly just have, an, have half an hour, if you will, to stare at the wall and think about how do I solve this problem? That can be also very rare in office environments where mm. like you're working, somebody comes in, somebody's typing, calling loudly. A second really big benefit is that you get amazing talent or, well, like, some talent, they just, from COVID, they have mm. learned um, to really enjoy working from home and remotely and have this flexibility, like having an hour off and then seeing your kid grow up and so on. And uh, with like large companies now demanding people back, uh, this talent is, is just, says, I, sorry, but no, I, I, I have tasted, I have tasted the sweetness of remote work. And so I think much of this talent is actually now available to startups like us that do offer the full remote work and have a strong performance culture around it. Could not get because, you know, a, a Google or Apple with tennis courts and swimming pool and childcare in the office were just 
way more, a way sweeter deal. So that it kind of leveled right. the ground in the search for talent a bit. Right, right, right. Of course. So, I, I mean, wonderful point you made uh, about the fact that in office, uh, there are a lot of distractions. And uh, while for especially people who are extroverted, that distraction or in a way that inter external intervention helps them think. But for introverts who are used to thinking on their own, mm. I think remote work can be extremely, uh, can be a bane. And it helps yeah. them think better, helps them, you know, do their, uh, you know, work possibly better. So that's a wonderful point. And of course, as an employer, you get access to talent. And as an employee, you are also able to work while taking care of your family. That, that's a wonderful point that you made. Uh, and so, so for PowerX, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure you've raised funds, you, have, you know, you have people, uh, dozens of uh, people right now. What is the next big leap you want to take? Like, as you said, mission is something that, that is amazing and extremely important. So is there something immediately yeah. that you're working on that you'd love to, you know, or you'd like to tell our audience? We have a very convincing software right now, mm -hmm. especially for restaurants. Okay. And we combine a number of things. We combine our energy saving element. Um, and that's usually very substantial for a number of restaurants. Like they can save thousands of dollars with us every year. We oh. combine this with our temperature measurement, which really helps in terms of efficiency and compliance, like labor efficiency and compliance in the US. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some restaurants even have to hire, let's say a, a student that goes around um, every two hours to measure the temperature in the fridge, mm -hmm. the freezer, and make sure there is no food spoilage and you're within the, the compliant temperature range. Like all that is automated with us. So you can actually save on labor cost. And then finally, we have um, control and optimization of existing mm -hmm. equipment. So not only can we do predictive maintenance and see, you know, how equipment is performing, but we can actually already control part of it, particularly HVAC, which means mm -hmm. you automatically save on that money. We actually go so far that we want to achieve you an ROI in a payback period within days, if, you know, mm -hmm. um, for some weeks. Um, that is super important. And that's actually really, mm -hmm. uh, really, if you will, right now, I think restaurants mm -hmm. think about a lot because mm -hmm. their uh, pre-tax income, and I'm, I'm, I'm not making this up. This is uh, statistics by um, an official U.S. government statistics. Official pre-tax income for restaurants went down 75% from about 5% to about 1.2%. So they are super squeezed on margins. Imagine a company losing 75% right. of its income. Wow. Now the biggest- and Is this primarily because yeah. of COVID or some other reasons? Amazing questions. Uh, not <laughs> even. Um, even now after COVID, you have like three drivers of this. Number one is food cost. Food cost mm. went up nearly 20%. Number two is labor cost. Labor mm. cost equally went up 15 to 20%. And number three is energy, which went up as well. Now, if you combine those three, uh, they have a huge impact on the bottom line of restaurants. Well, what you can do and what you say, you know, energy is actually the third largest controllable expend, uh, expense. Mm. And we can controlled and help you with it so that can give you mm. a point two percentage points back on 
sorry, two percentage, two two you know percentage points back on your uh, pre-tax income, which is massive. Yeah. It can double what you Huge. have right now. <laughs> then on the labor cost of labor, so they don't have to go around or even hire someone to go around and measure the the temperature because we are in your freezer, in your fridge, uh, super fast mm-hmm. to deploy, super easy to deploy. Um, so we help with your second largest controllable expense as well. In a way, mm-hmm. in a way we can, um, we can in, in some cases, like double or triple mm-hmm. your pre-tax income mm-hmm. um, that, that has been squeezed that much. Got it. Got it. So, uh, I mean, uh, one of the mantras of uh, YC is uh, doing things that don't scale. So, how did you then, uh, you know, go about finding this kind of customers? Did you have anything, did you do anything interesting that, you know, our entrepreneurs can learn from in terms of how you approach uh, going to market, anything that didn't scale or anything that can scale, you know, especially if if you want to share any uh, secrets of the business? (laughs) Yes, that that is a really secret of the business. That's a really good question. On go-to-market, that is a, you know, a science in itself. <laughs> I, I think what's really important in the beginning is listen. Listen to your customers. Um, be lean and listen. Like lean means you have some runway. So don't mm-hmm. spend much money on things and listen. Like what are the real pain points? What are mm-hmm. the, the real issues? And then try to price these pain points in. Like... Okay, somebody might ha- have a, a huge pain point, but mm-hmm. it's not worth more than I don't know a dollar per month. So, is that really going to make you rich? Questionable. Like, understand pain points of customers, and then and then understand what is the value of that pain point. It's naturally quite difficult to get that. I think the number one the number one recommendation I can give to anyone starting this process mm-hmm. is talk to customers and after to talk to customers and after to talk to customers. And it's a really <laughs> difficult recommendation because sometimes you don't even really know who your customers are. You don't even know what questions to ask. Why would they talk to you? There's a number of ways you can. Hey, can I invite you for coffee? Can I give you like a $10 Amazon, um, um, Amazon card for talking to me? Um, you can ask your, your friends and networks whether they have people uh, you know, in your in, in, in their network that you can talk mm-hmm. to. But if there's one thing I can recommend as mm-hmm. a not so secret secret in the industry, it's like talk to your customers and understand your customers really well, understand their pain point well, mm-hmm. drill down pain points and then try to price them. Once you have a pain point that's not being served and that actually has a decent value to it to solve, you're golden. Then quote unquote, all you have to do, which is also not that easy, but all you have to do is build a solution. But mm-hmm. that, that comes before any building of solution. And we are also called, you know, we, we, we are also, um, that has also uh, been, been a, a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. It's much easier as an entrepreneur very often to actually start with a, with a solution first and then look for a need. And that is putting the, the horse before the cart. You, sorry, the cart before the horse. The before you the horse, need to yeah. start with the customer need pain point first and only after think about how can I solve that problem. Put the horse in front of the cart, not the cart in front of the horse. Got it, got it. And so, I mean, uh, for you also, uh, because especially since you're coming outside from outside US, initially you used 
you know your mckinsey network or your personal network in us or like how how did you go about it how did you find the people to talk to yeah that is a really great question um i was very lucky that in the us people you know i i got to enter us and they introduced me to a number of people in the us i got to yc in the us and they introduced me to a number of people in the us um okay. so i was lucky because i could kind of jump start my network via the likes of yc and enter uh-huh. for sure if you don't know anyone like think about think about ways you could actually find people in the us like is there a blog on climate because you want to do something mm-hmm. climate is there a community a community on like I don't know uh, whatever you want to do you know a community on hey labor cost increase is there maybe a a newsletter on whatever it maybe you want to do on AI or like a slack channel you can subscribe to or a reddit there's a number of ways you can you can go after that just be creative and I'm very sure you find you find your access and uh, since you mentioned about uh, pain points so uh, related to people uh, now that you know you have a decent sized team even at this scale like what what is on top of your mind in terms of pain is it recruitment is it engaging them is it uh, retaining them is it something I... else is it employer branding and anything you would like to share so i can repeat the question and um, i think our connection cut for a moment uh I, i was asking uh, in terms of uh, your own people uh, what are some of the key pain points that you face at at this stage of course you have a wonderful team as you mentioned you've reached about a you know, couple of dozen people so is it yeah recruiting even more people is it retaining the current people is it engaging them is it something else if you can uh, share something about that yeah right now we are in recruiting mode and we want to add a number of really strong people to our team those are still core people Mm-hmm. Um, product manager we are hiring an account executive mm-hmm. so these are like extremely defining for our culture still uh, and we are we are very doing a very thorough job and research to get to get very strong talent and we have had some interviews that um i felt were were really great so we have a lot of talent in that pipeline um that's mm-hmm. recruiting is definitely currently our main our main pain point but something which which seems to be very solvable mm-hmm. understood so i mean uh, related to people it's like a well oiled machine right now and you know you are continuing to grow and the people because of your mission which is so interesting you don't have that much of a difficulty in attracting the right people to join your company is, is that a fair thing to say I think it's a fair thing to say and if you think about it that makes a ton of sense like mm-hmm. if you look at restaurants hotels and so on a restaurant has 7 to 10x the energy usage and hence the carbon emissions compared mm-hmm. to the average commercial real estate so like oh. per square foot i use 10x more energy and carbon emissions than like mm-hmm. the average commercial real estate mm. if I take let's say if I go after a normal consumer in their apartment and I save 6% that's great. If I go after a restaurant and I save them 10, 15, 20% on their energy cost. Wow. That equals in terms of carbon emissions mm-hmm. that is the equivalent of taking, you know, 10, 15 houses, apartments completely mm-hmm. off the grid. Wow. It's just as if they had never existed. So if you scale to all mm-hmm. restaurants in the world with PowerX mm-hmm. You can take entire cities off the grid in terms of their carbon emissions. 
Wow. So that impact is is real and it's massive. Mm -hmm. Now factor in hotels, which have a similar um, energy usage. You can take maybe not an entire country, or maybe small ones, you know, <laughs> the energy use of an entire country mm -hmm. off the grid in terms of commercial, in terms of carbon emissions. So wow. that's, a, that's a mission that resonates very strongly with mm -hmm. people. Sure. So I, I would think, uh, I mean, as a takeaway for, for an uh, audience member, that uh, uh, you first, obviously, as an entrepreneur, have to believe extremely strongly as, uh, as Manuel <laughs> is about your own uh, mission. And secondly, you know, once the mission is set, attract people who believe in that mission because that becomes like a well-oiled machine as, as as you put it because unless the person, because money, you know, whatever one can offer, another startup gets funded can offer slightly more. But not yeah. everyone, you know, can help you reach that ultimate goal in your life, which is to, you know, be bigger than yourself and to leave a lasting impression, so to say, or to leave something that, you know, stays beyond your own uh, lifetime. Uh, so that, yeah. that is something uh, that, that is uh, super exciting. Uh, I, I think we are, uh, you know, thanks so much for your time, uh, Manuel. We are almost at the end of the uh, session. Uh, I mean, before we go, I would maybe, you know, uh, love to hear a little bit that, uh, that that is something that people may not know as much about. So if you can share some story that maybe you know, not too many people even in your own company would know about you, uh, something interesting that you would, uh, you know, not, not uh, often that, you know, people uh, hear from you or something interesting that you would like to leave with. Wow, this is like a really interesting question. Um, <laughs> I think the people in my company, they know, they know quite a bit about me, so I, I wouldn't know what kind of interesting story that would be. Um, maybe so I go a bit earlier in my, in my life. Um, I, had a quite interesting, I had a quite interesting life overall. Um, and a story, I, just because it never came up, I, I, I haven't told... Uh, my colleagues before I think is that when I was uh, just finishing high school, mm -hmm. I flew to Russia, St. Petersburg, ah, okay. and then actually took the train from St. Petersburg to Moscow via all of Siberia and Mongolia to Beijing to, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, to work there as a teacher for autistic children. So that's ah. quite a, that's quite a train ride of a couple of weeks. And you get to know very, very interesting people. Um, we got to know, you know, smugglers that were smuggling things across the border between Russia and mm -hmm. and uh, Mongolia. Mm -hmm. We got to know people from all walks of life. Um, it, that was that was a really interesting, a really interesting trip. I also really enjoyed living in China and being a teacher of mm -hmm. autistic children there. Um, oh. And then also traveling nearly a year through China and, and okay. Asia overall. Um, I've also been uh -huh. to India. I actually uh, worked in India which, with the World Bank. Part? Oh, okay. Um, in Delhi or somewhere else? Primarily Delhi, but we, okay. we, were, we were traveling a lot as well. And I have okay. to admit, I, I love India. I love ah. <laughs> the, the richness Mm -hmm. of not only culture but everything mm -hmm. the colors the tastes mm -hmm. the the diversity um mm -hmm. it's a very rare in a very in a very good meaning of the word a very rare place gem to find so many 
so so much diversity mm-hmm. and so many things in, in in one place intermingled. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, in, India is a, is a very special uh, mm-hmm. country, a very special place in Gem. Sure. Do you have any people in India right now? Uh, since you work remotely, or as of now, like where where are your people based typically right now? Yeah, we did have development teams in India. Currently, we okay. do not. Uh, we are pretty much um, moving most of our work to the US. Okay. Um, right now, the only outside work is uh, workers that we have are actually in Eastern Europe. Okay. Um, yeah, I, 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 I leave it there because uh, there, there is currently a war going on. Uh, um, so I, I don't want to go into more details uh, on that. <laughs> that. That can be another uh, yeah. podcast. <laughs> that can be another podcast, yes. <laughs> but uh, just out of curiosity, like what made you decide to move your development team together? Is it that, you know, think people who are, you know, closer to each other, coordination is better or, or something else just out of curiosity? I think time zone is a big thing. People are closer to each other. Um, mm. Also, it, it was just, you know, the, the kind of people we were looking for, you know, mm. India is very strong in, in software, somewhat strong in hardware. But when you like look more into hardware and firmware, you need to test very locally. So we need to have a lab um, r- right where we are in New York, just given the kind of work we Mm-hmm. we we need um engineers for got it got it got it thank you so much i think uh, it's been a pleasure and any parting thoughts manuel um yeah i i really enjoy talking to you i i uh, as a as a fellow entrepreneur you know i really wish you all the very best i know sure. how rewarding it can be at some points in time how hard it can be at some points in time entrepreneurship really challenges you and puts you out of your comfort zone in so many ways from you know a mental health perspective from a work-life balance perspective so um i i really appreciate your work there and i wish you all the very best in your own journey as an entrepreneur thank you so much Uh, absolute pleasure wish you and the powerx team all the best take care thank you very much bye-bye Mm-hmm. Just stay for a bit.